it's that time of the month again for the first time ever for Max and Mitch's monthly movie marathon. First time every time. It's it's my first time every time. Uh, mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, that threw me. Um, hi, everyone, and welcome to the first experiment in this godforsaken uh, podcast that is what you're listening to right now. It's like an additional like, experiment on top of the original experiment, which was the podcast. Yeah, neither of us completed a science degree, so we didn't. We've, we've never been taught that you shouldn't complicate things halfway through an experiment yeah. just for the sake of it. So I mean, we, to be fair, we never set like proper parameters and things we were trying to judge in the first place. So we don't even like, have a hypothesis. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't really like uh, do this in a particularly like scientific or analytical way. We're kind of yeah. just stumbling through. My scientist of a dad cries a lot of the times when he sees me because of just the lack of science-ness I've done. But welcome to. A new thing that Max and I are trying out, Max and Mitch's monthly movie marathon. It's alliterated, so therefore it's good. Yep. That's that's the rule. And so what, what is this? What what is this episode? Well, there's a lot of movies. It turns out there's a lot of movies. And while Max and I get through f- at least four a month. More than four come out each month, and therefore we we don't get to tell you our thoughts and opinions on those other many films that come out. So this is what that is. This is a catch up. This is a monthly movie marathon catch up, so that we can talk to you it's about mo- some of the. Oh, it's mostly yeah. a marathon of our thoughts. Yeah, we we marathoned these movies, and now we're gonna you're gonna we're gonna marathon you with our thoughts on these movies and by marathon Um, we mean we watch them over the course of a month mostly with significant breaks in between each one but there were a few days where we saw three on a day to catch up uh oh i'm dying help we're good uh so i think as mentioned i think i mentioned this in the last episode the elvis episode uh australia kind of got screwed over over the course of the end of 2023 slash start 2024 with its releases. And so January has been a bit rough in just it's us trying to catch up with all the big movies that already came out in the States. We're hoping that coming months will be a bit more relevant, a bit more up to date with what's coming out. But I guess we'll have to see, won't we? But yeah, so this has been a big month, a lot of films. Uh, Oscar season. Oscar season is now i was gonna say around the corner but it is now i i guess when is oscar season is it once the nominate nominations are out isn't it like once people start putting out films and going like this is for your like once they start doing the for your consideration Ah, see the problem is that i don't pay attention so i never know when that stuff's happening man you gotta get on like linkedin no it's all on linkedin i hate i don't hate i dislike social media in general why would i want one that's business based because then you can know when it's oscar season baby i think i can figure it out from just general other places of social media 
and news when everyone cries about Bobby not being nominated as much as they believe it should be. I I think I figured it out when that happened. I guess like when the Golden Globes happens, it's Oscar season. <laughs> but anyway, maybe you know what? Actually, maybe people would just call it award season. I mean, I think people do just call it award season. Yeah, that makes more sense. We'll just call it, we'll do that. We'll call it award season. Whatever. Anyway, so here we go. We've got some movies. Uh, there's some that Max saw that I didn't see. There's some that I saw that Max didn't see. But the majority of these films are ones that we saw maybe even kind of together, but not really. But we also just both saw. Um, we're going we're gonna to start off with uh, Max's films. Uh, the ones that he saw, then we'll move to me, and then we'll move to the ones that everyone saw. I, I just can't explain it. I could have explained that more easily, but this is our first time. You remember the first episode we did for Blockbuster? That was an absolute nightmare. We'll get this down someday. Um, and we'll do our best to avoid spoilers, but... Uh, well, I was thinking what we'll do. What we'll do is oh, we'll, 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 do, we'll start off with no spoilers, and then we'll say spoilers from here on. Yeah, okay. Well, so that we can talk about the films. But also, we're not going to spend too much time on each one because there's a lot of them. And so we're going to like not be as in-depth as we usually are. If we are even... Yeah, I think it's not so much we're going to be in-depth, but it's not going to be as distracted as we usually get. We need to be a bit more focused, a bit more straight down the line. And yeah. so that we can start this before 10 minutes of recording, although you probably haven't been listening to this episode for 10 minutes because a good few minutes was that me screwing up our new intro that I may have cut out, probably have cut out, uh, let's go. Max, what have you watched that I haven't? Um, sorry, just give me two seconds. I realized I set this up real dumb. Um, this guy set it up real dumb. Wait, what the fuck am I doing? Oh, that's what, yeah, I was doing that right. Um, this guy's cuckoo bananas. Um, the first film we'll be talking about today is um, the French film Anatomy of a Fall. Um, it's also, or rather in French, it's known as Anatomy d'une Chute. Um, and it's a movie. How do you, I've, I've never do the like, it's by this person and this person, and they—these are the people who started it. So let me try that again. I wasn't really going to be doing that for each one because that takes forever. Oh, okay. <clears throat> oh, like you don't want to do like the director and like the top two, like t- two or three. All right, fine, we can do that. Bill? Let me just let me just quickly type out the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine films that we have to go. Okay. So you um, you talk and I'll I'll do that. So, Sorry, um, where am I saying from? The first film, right. uh, the first film we're going to talk about is, or rather, I'm going to talk about is Anatomy of a Fall, um, in French, Anatomie d'une Chute. Uh, it's the latest film by Justine Triet, starring Sandra Heller, um, Swan Orlord, and Milo Machado Grana. Um, it's a movie about a uh, man who dies and his wife who becomes suspect for his murder. Um, and 90% of this film is a courtroom procedural, which I know I'm, I'm, I'm talking, t- saying this to you, Mitch, and I know that immediately, like, t- 
to me at least, that suggests that you <laughs> may lose interest in this film. I like but- courtroom procedurals. <laughs> Dude, uh, um, uh, Just Mercy is really good. Um, but this is a really excellent um, sort of interpersonal um, drama about how um, about this exploration of this woman played by Sandra Heller um, and her interaction with her son, um, as well as just really um, effective tension building throughout the whole film. Um, uh, which is an impressive feat given that this is uh, not a short film either. It um, very much manages to grab your attention and keep it um, keep it there uh, the whole time in a sort of like state of heightened tension. Um, and um, to top it all off, the performances are really, really excellent. Um, for me, the the um standout was um i believe it's i'm trying to remember the get the names um yes it's uh is milo machado grana who plays her son he's um plays a 11 year old in the film i think he's about 15 and he's absolutely fantastic um he the scenes that he's in in later in the film are some of the best, most powerful scenes in the whole film. And it completely blew me away um, watching that performance, um, which is completely like unheard of to me, having a, a child actor um, with that much, um, yeah, a power and behind the performance and that much um, emotion behind a performance. Um but overall, it's this really compelling story. It's a really interesting character dissection. Um, it plays with um, camera work in a really interesting way to um, remind you of, like, the, I guess, the voyeuristic tendencies of the of the cinema goer. But um, and I guess comparing that to the tendencies of people who um sort of um i'm trying to think of the word um like fa- like fantasize or like bring to a higher status things like um uh court cases that are really damaging for a lot of people um and overall i think it's fantastic i know you haven't seen it Mitch. what do you do you have any <laughs> Questions? Questions? I do. Uh, should it win the Oscar? So this film was very interesting. So it got nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, but it didn't get nominated for Best International Feature. Um, the That's reason because of the politics, right? The reason being the politics. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yep. <laughs> the uh, director, Justine Triet, is a outspoken... Um, uh, I don't want to say dissident. That's That's wrong. Uh, opponent, I guess, of of the um, French prime, uh, president uh, Macron, and as a result, it wasn't um, selected as the official entry from France to the International Academy. Um, but um, this really is a powerful piece of work 
Um, and at a very least, this is looking to be potentially my top um, director for the year for this for this film. Um, as for best picture, it's it's definitely top three for me. Cool. All right. My mic turned around, so I was not really talking into it. Um, cool. Is there anything else you want to say? Do you want to give it like a rating real quick? Um, yeah, like I, a, can give it a, I can give it a rating. A I'm not going to give fun ratings because otherwise yeah. we're going to like, it's going to burn out the it's joke. It's too much effort. Um, we're, yeah. <laughs> we'll just do like stars um, or something. We'll do but, blocks. Um, <laughs> Rentals. Um, Rentals. Oh, no. We're, we're not. Oh. That makes us it's seem rent, like rentals. That makes us no, seem no, like week, landlords. Well, how many weeklies then? How many blockbuster weeklies would you give this movie? Blockbuster weeklies. Yeah, like you know, you can hold, you can have it for a week instead of like oh, one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, God, you won't. You're not that young. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just stupid. That's fair. Um, Me too. Well, I I gave Anatomy of a Fall uh, four and a half uh, weekly rentals. That is a good score yeah it was if you have the opportunity to see it while it's in cinemas it was it's a really fantastic film and did you just absolutely say opportunity pun you would opportunity i would you i would suggest the the if you have the opportunity to watch it then you should go and watch it yeah All right, I just got to pull up because I, I forgot I actually have to rate these when I asked you to rate them. So I have to pull up my ratings of these films. So what did I see? What are we talking about first? We're talking about... Cool. Yep. Yeah. All right. So now there's the three movies that I saw. Uh, in classic Max and Mitch uh, dichotomy, I guess. The dichotomy of blockbusted. I went and saw three trashy films instead of one really artistic and good one. So the first one I'm going to talk about. By the way, I want to point out the next three I'm going to talk about. I saw all in one day, uh, back to back, one after the other. Just shotgun them. So we're going to go through them really quick. Oh no, I lie. Sorry, one of them I didn't. I got mixed up with one that we're going to talk about together. I beg your pardon. But anyway, I saw anyone but you. The movie that is supposedly going to bring back rom-coms and make them profitable again i'm glad bring back rom-coms i love rom-coms rom-coms are really fun and they're really sweet and there's some really clever ones that i actually really enjoy i'm a big fan of uh, when harry met sally a classic vintage i'm a big fan of slitless in seattle uh i'm a big fan of you've got mail uh i really hated love actually like loathed that was a bad movie had the same problem that magnolia has but anyway anyone but you stars you have said uh, this before on the podcast what that i hate that love you, actually you hate love actually and you hate love actually because you hate magnolia it's the same problem it's the exact same problem for both movies anyone but you stars sydney sweeney and glenn powell and it's directed by will gluck <laughs> That's a dumb name. Um, I should cut that out. It's and it's a pastiche of much ado about nothing. A pastiche? I don't know. A reader? Uh, a, a what's the, what's the word when you reinterpretation? 
reinterpretation slash adaption. I was thinking of the word adaption, but reinterpretation also works. Adaptation in British English, Mitchell. (sighs) I'm cutting that out. Um, So anyway, it's a redo of Much Ado About Nothing. And much like 10 Things I Hate About You is a redo of Taming of the Shrew. This movie is bad. Um, while I'm really happy that it's bringing back the rom-com, I'm not happy that this is the movie that did it. Uh, and the, the reason why I don't like it so much, let me get my notes. Sorry, I do have notes. The movie is made worse by the fact that I actually really enjoyed some parts of it, but overall, it falls short of being more than just a cliche rom-com. And that really irritates me because I could see a lot of potential in it, especially since both Glenn Powell and Sidney Sweeney are very attractive people, and that makes watching this movie really easy. It was just like, it was just boring in a lot of parts. But in a lot of other parts, I was like, oh, I can see what you're going for. Yeah, this is fun. This is interesting. And then you just did it again. Like, oh, shit joke. Great. Thanks. Thanks, um, Obama. Ugh. Also, the audience I saw it with was really bad. They laughed at everything, and that pissed me off because those jokes weren't funny that they were laughing at. They were really, really boring. Like, there was one joke where Sydney Sweeney was trying to dry her pants using a dryer, and uh, she's just, she you know, took her pants off to do it, and then she's like stuck them against the dryer, and so it's like inflatable pants type thing. And my audience was cacking itself. And I, this is very early on, by the way, it set the tone of the rest of the movie. And I was just sitting there, like my eyes, I could feel them glazing like a crispy cream. Anyway, uh, I gave it one and a half weeklies. <laughs> then we got uh, Night Swim, the latest Blumhouse uh, horror film. It's good. It's fine. It's decent. I have here, if the film was actually about a ye old town and about the spring the pool is getting is water from, that would be a lot cooler. So that doesn't make a lot of sense because I haven't actually explained the movie. And also, it, I haven't said who's in it either. Uh, it's got Wyatt Russell and Kerry Condon. Wyatt Russell being Kurt Russell's son, Kerry Condon being someone famous who I've forgotten. And it's directed by Bryce McGuire. Also, I forgot to ask, do you have any questions about anyone but you? Um, so it's set in Sydney, right? Yeah, it is. That seems like a really strange place to set a movie. I mean, There's I don't have of... anything against setting a movie in Sydney. I do. Other than that it's Sydney. No, I, like... I do. Not because it's Sydney, though. I have, a, I have another problem. I have a problem because, once again, they refuse to get any Australian actors, and so it's just a bunch of... American actors doing shit Australian accents. Oh, man. Really fucking annoying. Really frustrating. Like, you're in Australia. I can see the Sydney Harbour Bridge right there. And I know you shot on uh, on campus, on location. Uh, right there. Get some, just get some Australians. At the very least, it was the wrong Australian accent. It was like an Australian accent you'd get from Queensland. It's not one you'd get from, like, Sydney. It was the wrong type of accent 
anyway, uh, but yeah, any other questions or that we get kind of just I can't go back no, to you, fucking you, up my you, night swim review. <laughs> yeah, go 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 back to go back to your next review. Yeah, so night swim. It's about a pool that is haunted. That's the movie. Cool. Uh, and a family. It, it, it's a it's basically like a wishing pool. So uh, you go you can wish for something, but then in return the pool has to kill someone. Doesn't care who, just anyone. Right. So is it like do people know that? No. So like first. So it just like it you people just think it's a wishing. Accidentally wish shit and then you've accidentally cursed your family to nearly drown to this pool. Which is basically what happens in this movie. So Wyatt Russell is a baseball player suffering from what is I think it's AMS. Uh it's it's the 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 degenerative disease the one that really screws up your nerve system i think the i can't remember i think it's, similar oh, to, um, it's like early onset something i ms I'm re- ms i don't know why i say AMS. Sclerosis. i think it's ms yeah he's suffering from that or at the very least something very similar to that and so he used to be a baseball player and he had to quit because of this and so he's like oh i'm, I'm ready to make a, just you know do my family and all that then a secret part of him's like i wish i could play baseball again and then the pool was like hey he wishes to play baseball again so it starts to fix him he starts to get feel better feel rejuvenated feel younger he's better at hitting balls again like he's doing great but then the pool's like now i'm gonna eat your children or your wife and the children and the wife don't want that because who wants to be eaten anyway so that's the, like not in my top 10 worst ways to die getting eaten by, by a by an evil pool yeah Spo- so spoilers uh it turns out that the that the pool um is filled from a uh uh a what's it called uh a spring not a spring another like a pond i guess and a ye old pond ye oldy pond yeah that uh, used to do this exact same thing and there used to be an old town that was around it and there's like a lot of like oh in the 1800s nuns died because there was a there was a care center at this exact same spot the house is built and nuns were people were getting less sick but the nuns were dying and stuff like that and it's you know what that just sounds cooler it just sounds more interesting than suburban dad and his suburban family get screwed over nuns and a ye old town I love period horror Period horror is sick, except for the Vivich. The Vivich is bad. Anyway, I, that's just that's it. Um, I gave it. I think I gave it something not brilliant. Um, I gave it two and a half weeklies. Uh, just a couple of my other notes. Uh, Wyatt Russell is really charismatic. Uh, not. I, I didn't get really get scared properly. It's like an okay horror film. Like they did a decent job. It's interesting, but it's not brilliant. It's whatever. It's pretty average for a horror film. And now my last movie that I saw without Max, and then we can finally have some banter because it's not just one of us listening to the other person talk about a film. Uh, I saw The Beekeeper with Jason Statham, and I guess Josh Hutchinson would be the next biggest star in that film. And it's directed by David Ayer, who classically did Suicide Squad. Um, the the not not the good one, not the James Gunn one that was directed like by James 2016 Gunn. Twenty sixteen one. Yeah, you know the one, the one that was ended up being edited by a a trailer company. Yep. Uh, so 
Beekeeper. I'm just going to run through my notes on this one. Like, there's not really much to say about it. It's a John Wick film with bees. What does uh, that mean? So, right. So, you know how in John Wick, there's a lot of really cool monologues where the bad guys are like, the Baba Yaga. He's a man of pure fucking will. He yeah. eats spaghetti without using a fork. Or yeah. like without twisting his fork, he just goes... You know what I'm saying? Like, it's stuff yeah. like that. So basically, the beekeeper, it's like, the beekeeper, a man of pure fucking will. He eats spaghetti without twisting his fork. He just goes... So it's the same... They, I, I'm pretty sure they took a John Wick script and they just found and replaced Baba Yaga with beekeeper. Uh... That's the movie. Right, but then where are the bees? So they die very early on. <laughs> the bees die? They get burnt by bad guys because he burns their like little call center down. Um, look, this movie's fun. If you like action movies, it's fun. Max, you don't, you'd hate it. You'd absolutely hate this movie with a fiery passion. But I had fun. The line to be or not to be is in this film. Uh, they like actually bee, say that. Like bees. Like, like bees, yeah. Also, a lot of fingers get cut off over the course oh. of this film. Just like... More yeah. or less than banshees? More, because multiple hands. Okay. Yeah. I had to think about that. But anyway, there's not much point in spoiling this movie. It's You know where this movie's going to go. Oh, actually, no. Spoiler. <laughs> He does end up at the White House <laughs> uh, fighting um, the one other person who's ever killed a beekeeper before. Oh, by the way, so the beekeepers are like this, uh, they're like this weird um, agency that are outside of the, they, they, they don't operate within the US government, they, but they are the US, part of the US government. I don't know. It's that classic one where it's like, even the president and every single high-ranking general doesn't know about this initiative, and he's so well-trained, and he's cool, and he he eats spaghetti without twisting his fork. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. This, it's fine. It's good. If you want to watch an action... Not good. It's, if, it's, if you want to watch an action movie, though, it's you could watch worse ones. I gave it three weeklies out of five and now you don't have to listen to us just monologue at you guys now we can actually have some banter now we Yay. can talk about some movies that we've both seen first one that we're going to talk about <laughs> poor things by yorgos Lan lanthimos with emma stone and mark ruffalo do you want to go first or do you want me to go first um i can go first um, yeah. I'll give a brief synopsis of this film. Um, oh, I'm gonna, sure, if you want to. I'm just going to put the spoilers right here. <laughs> because it's oh. very hard to talk about this film without spoiling a major plot point. That's fair. Um, uh, Willem Dafoe um, as God. Um, uh, I think he's like Godfrey, but he, everyone calls him God. Um, it's a bit odd. Um, lives in 18th century England, um, is sort of like a mad scientist and discovers the body of a pregnant woman who had committed suicide. Um, oh, and instead um, sorry, of before you continue, 
uh, it's been brought to my attention that the terminology committed suicide is no longer correct. You're not supposed to say they committed suicide. You're supposed to say they died by suicide. This is not a bit. This is not okay. a joke. Sorry. This is this is serious. Um, okay. So it, it, I, this is. I know this isn't the place to really talk about this, but the idea I think is that committed suicide makes it sound like it's a crime that they did this, whereas right. like died by suicide, it's like you know more just like this is how they died type thing. Right. Okay. So it's anyway, like de. It's to decriminalize the act. But please, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway. Um, this woman dies by suicide, um, but the baby she was pregnant with um, was viable enough that Willem Dafoe, as God, puts the baby's brain inside her body and brings her back to life as, like, weird, fucked up Frankenstein, but it's Emma Stone. Um, sexy bit, Frankenstein. <laughs> sexy Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, and the movie is about um, the woman who I fucking forgotten her, the character's Bella. Bella. Thanks. Um, it's about Bella, both learning to grow up as an adult who is also a child. I know that sounds weird, but it's it's uh important. Um, <clears throat> but then also sort of discover her own um sense of purpose within a complex world um, and um, learn to understand herself and her um, own agency. And lots of things happen. They go on a cruise ship. There's lots of sex. There's, they, they're in Paris. Uh, they're in Portugal for a bit. Then they go to Greece. And I don't think they go to Greece. I thought they went to Greece for a I bit. I don't think they went to Greece. Mm. Isn't that where like all the people who are really mean poor people are? Isn't that Greece? They're at the bottom of like the destroyed staircase. I know, I thought it was in Portugal. Maybe. I thought Portugal was, isn't Portugal where the tarts are? Portugal is where the tarts are. Yeah, I think that's two, that's two different places, I'm pretty sure. Because they go on the cruise ship and they leave. They go somewhere else. It's at Alexandria, which is, which is in Egypt. Ah, that's why I was thinking Greece, because of it's like the, it's like where the Greeks hung out in Egypt, but not actually Greece. What right. do you think? What do you think of this film? Look, I hate Yorgos Lanthimos from them. Um, this movie's fine; it's good. Um, it's the best one he's made. Uh, I didn't hate it; I liked it, but it didn't end. It just kept going. <laughs> Just, yeah, I don't know. It lost me eventually. I mean, I liked the start. I was really interested at the start. And then I really liked the middle as well. And then I just felt the end went for too long. And it could have been just a smidgen more uh, uh, crisp. I think my biggest problem, this is this is major spoilers, by the way, right here. I'm about to talk about. Uh, the biggest problem I have is that they don't set up the idea of her previous life enough for the end where it's kind of what the focus is to be interesting to me. It's like alluded to twice over the course of the rest of the movie. And then it becomes the main focus of the end. And it just like, it just need this needed to be like a smidgen more of her questioning it or other character, more than just one character saying, Hey, it's you and like like i just need more i needed more i need to be more prevalent for them to be interesting at the end 
but it wasn't. And so it kind of feels like it comes out of the blue a smidgen. But beyond that, like, yeah, it's good. It's um, it's interesting. Emma Stone's really, really good. Uh, I mean, everyone in this is really good. Mark Ruffalo is very funny and he's a, he's very charismatic as a piece I, of I've, shit in this I've, movie. I've been saying this for a while. I think, I really think this is Mark Ruffalo's return to, um, I guess I like artisanal sim- cinema. Yeah, um, I hope I hope he's having fun again because it looked like he was dying a little bit in the MCU. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like look, the, all the performances are really good. All that it's just I want I really do think the disconnect is uh, with me and the director there. I just don't think he's a director that I get with. I don't think I get him, and that's fine. Other people do, and I can understand why, but it's just not for me. Um. I, on the other hand, am a big fan of Yorgos Lantimos. I think he's a really interesting director who does a lot of interesting things um, with uh, sort of a little bit ideas that are a little bit maybe not something people want to talk about every day. And um, this is the second film that he has co-written with... um, um, see now I'm now I confu- get confused about names. Um, Tony McNamara, who um wrote the favorite as well, um, and something that this film does really well is it uh portrays Emma Stone as a woman who is not just her own character and has agency, but um the focus of the story is is very much through the lens of that and it makes a really interesting um or it gives a really interesting tone to a lot of how people interact with her um especially given that a lot of people are trying to be manipulative um specifically in terms of like sexually manipulative um and um i think that dynamic is very interesting i also really loved um what they did with the cinematography in this film there's a combination of um these uh more traditional shots with um almost um like it's hard to describe but like they're surreal sort of watercolor-esque background and sets with this pseudo sci-fi sort of retro sci-fi um or even like steampunky kind of aspect to them um combined with these um almost uh, surveillance type shots um inside god's house um of these they're black and white fish islands shots that are really interesting and i think bring attention to the idea that that again i really i'm a really big proponent of um the viewer being an active participant in watching film and i really think this uh quite excellently um demonstrates the fact that we are being like voyeuristic and we are um like looking upon um this person's life even though obviously this is this is fiction um and i think overall a combination of these things has put together um 
a very excellent film. Um, once again, from Yorgos Lentimos. Epic. Uh, yeah, I guess I give it three weeklies. <laughs> um, and I give it four weekly rentals. Hell yeah. Next movie. Uh, I think it's, it's next goal wins. Directed by Taika Waititi with uh, Michael Fassbender and I guess we could say Elizabeth Moss. Oscar Oscar Kiteley. Uh, I guess we could go. Yeah, Oscar Kiteley. I liked him. Uh, not good. Not not good. <laughs> um, Taika, what are you doing, champ? Uh, you and I together, we 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 were pretty big fans of Taika Waititi. Like I think I'll. I, th- I think we both were like, yeah, these movies are pretty good. Half of the world people, brilliant. The other ones, good as well. <laughs> I've forgotten the names. Um, the Ragnarok. Ragnarok, best MCU movie art for a long period of time. Mm. Like, just what I think Thor Ragnarok's what kind of kept me in the MCU for a bit longer than mm. otherwise I would have been. So I was like, they can still make fun movies that have fun and are fun. You know, so. This is really disappointing, especially after Thor, Love and Thunder. Thor, Love and Thunder, you can kind of look at it and be like, all right, studio interference. Oh, they, they said you had to do this, that, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it looks bad because every Marvel project looks bad right now as well. Like, it's not Taika Waititi's fault. This movie, it's Taika Waititi's fault. Uh, and it also makes you think that a lot of the stuff in Love and Thunder was also his fault. Um, it's just bad. It's really boring. It's not interesting in any way it's like the way i've described it a few times is if you took the classic sports sports comedy film and you know the all the cliches and everything he he just took that and he went i'm taika waititi therefore me being here gives it the little zazzle that it requires to be special Mm -mm. you have to work at that my boy you have to use the gift that you have to make it an interesting film there's no zazzle there's no nothing it's just really boring what do you what do you think um so just quickly this film is about um oh right what it's about (laughs) uh it's about a soccer coach um named thomas rongan played by um michael fassbender who basically gets told he um, has to go coach the worst soccer team in the world, which is the American, American Samoa, Samoa. Um, uh, football team. And um, the film is about him sort of learning how to not feel shit about everything and also the soccer team getting better, which is like your classic um, sports movie. The coach is like sad about his family and the, the team is shit and then they come together at the end and they win um and i i echo i i i want to echo what you said about this being very much um a example of they've taken the cliches and taika waititi's gone hey i'm here you should find it funny now um and i think there are parts that are funny but it sure. really i really think it is just a movie that goes gag to gag with no real like solid dramatic through line. And I feel like the best 
versions of these kind of movies are ones that are able to be funny but heartfelt at the same time. Yeah. And this movie really pushes the idea on you. It keeps telling you that it is a really um, – it's everything's about heart. Everything's about like um, being happy with yourself and being happy around other people and um, being able to care for things and, yeah, having that heart. And the movie just feels like it doesn't have it. Um, it feels mm-hmm. almost like a shallow um, like husk of, of the own thing that it's trying to – um show and i think this is then um exemplified again with some pacing issues i had particularly um it felt like michael fassbender's character sort of is a dick for 90% of the film. And in the last few scenes, he suddenly has the realization, the epiphany that he needs to um, uh, fix everything. And it doesn't feel (laughs) like he actually (laughs) grew as a character. It more just felt like there was a point in time where everything unlocked in his brain, which really Mm. didn't feel like what the movie was trying to suggest was happening. And I feel like a lot of the, um, problems come from similar issues where they sort of have a framework of what they're trying to do and the framework is solid, but the bits they've used to actually finish the product um, are just not there. And Mm. as a result, you end up with a movie that has um, gags that fall flat, um, a lack of heart where it needs to be, and just some pacing issues that – yeah, unfortunately, make this not amazing as yeah. a as a product. Also, the two Australian characters in this movie are pricks, and I can't accept that. Uh, we're not pricks; we're beautiful. And the fact that we're represented in such a manner is really sad. Don't like it. Um, I also just wanted to touch on here. Um, one of the B plots in this movie is about a trans athlete named Jaya. Um, Uh, (laughs) And as much as I think it's very important that when telling a story that is about a team that featured a trans athlete, that that is a part of the story. I think that's really Mm -hmm. important. And I'm glad that they did that. Mm -hmm. It unfortunately just felt like it was handled in a really strange way um yeah in almost I've, I've written down here in my notes it almost felt like they knew they had to talk about it but didn't really want to um and so the interactions that you have when discussing that either feel forced or um i guess questionable there's a weird sort of like series of events where Michael Fassbender's character um, is insistent on dead naming um, Jaya and yeah. like cool I know transphobia exists and it that probably existed for that guy because he wasn't aware of the way that trans people existed in um 
these communities, but it was just not comfortable. Just, just, just to say, actually, from what I've heard, nothing like that ever happened in real life. It was made up for the movie. Like, yeah, it, and it's just, it, it just seems like a really strange thing to include, even if it was a real set series of events. It that there's it doesn't add enough to the story to justify like really effectively like highlighting transphobia um my my little note for it is the transphobia subplot is a made up for the movie and b kind of shit because it's not explored at all and it's just done away with in a few minutes mm. like it's there and it's not it's like if you're going to talk about it talk about it like if you made it up sure i mean it's a bit rough for the guy, the real guy to be painted in such a manner, but if he's, if he's fine with it and you're going to do something with it, go ahead. But the fact that it just disappears so quickly and it's, it, there's no real discussion. There's no real anything about it. It just feels very, it's there and it's not, and it's there just because it needed to be like you said, it, they, they, yeah. they it, it's there because it had to be because Taika Waititi was like, I want to tell the story about the shit is soccer team. Dang. The Shears soccer team has a trans person on it. I need to talk about this. Otherwise, I will be called out for erasure. So, like, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just very disappointing. And I'm hoping Taika Waititi can crawl his way back. But from what I've heard, he's become the real piece of shit, apparently. Like, he's just not a fun person to be around. And he's just kind of, I don't know. I don't know if Hollywood ruined him or he was always like this. And he just managed to hide it up until now. And the star power's gone to his head or something, but whatever it is, it it ain't it ain't rad. And I'm 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 praying for a Taika Waititi redemption, but how often do we get redemptions in this business? Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna give. Yeah, I goal. I gave uh, next goal wins to weeklies. Uh, I gave it two weeklies as well. But now let's talk about a better film. I don't, can't, can I, can you, okay. You didn't want to just, okay, there we go. A better film. Dream Scenario by Christoph Borgli. I said that wrong. Uh, and with Nicolas Cage and Lily Bird. Nicolas Cage is a meme in real life. And then he becomes a dream meme in this movie appearing everywhere but then the dream meme becomes mean what what will happen this movie's funny uh but it's also really upsetting (laughs) um i think it kind of loses me in the middle though a little bit it i was really interested in this movie and i really wanted to see it and i really like nicholas cage a lot but just this this for some reason it lost me and i can't really pin my finger on why i very much enjoyed this movie i think it does a really interesting i i'm trying to work out how to like phrase this i i don't i don't agree with you i i or rather it didn't lose me in the middle i think it um there's nothing to agree or disagree with it's just opinion (laughs) no i i i I for, it didn't lose me in the middle. I very much felt like there's a the point at which it turns from intrigue to 
um, almost like horror esque, is is very very well timed to keep my engagement. Um, mm. And um, I think Nicolas Cage has an excellent performance here. I really can like see him as a sort of like bumbling biology professor going like, I love zebras. <laughs> um, and like being annoyed that, um, th- that someone stole his work on ants. Um, and I mean, wouldn't you be there? I, I, would. I would be too, but I feel, I feel like Nicolas Cage is what I like. If I want to like picture the platonic ideal of like, a, a a sort of washed up biology teacher. I I think I'd imagine him in dream scenario. That's um, fair. And um, no, it does really interesting look at again like this these ideas of um like um there's a lot of stuff in terms of like how social media affects our interactions with other people, and that's largely what a comment what the commentary is around um obviously he's appearing in people's dreams but um this is manipulated to advertise and it's manipulated to um like make him famous and then he says stupid things that make him look bad because he's a dum-dum and um i think that it makes some interesting comments on this i was especially um taken aback however when michael Sierra appeal appeared <laughs> did you not know um, he was in this movie i did not know he was in this movie oh. and then he just rocks up and i'm like oh he looks like a scraggly old like scraggly middle-aged man oh he's playing a scraggly middle-aged man okay i think he might be a scraggly middle-aged man as well <laughs> yeah though. i think he might be now but like he he plays the like, head of this like advertising startup and i'm like yeah i feel like this is what michael Sierra would be doing if he was like not an actor <laughs> <laughs> um but no i had a lot i had a very good time with this movie um the only real thing that maybe i feel like it's a little bit strange is the last the second last scene it's not the last scene it's the second last scene which is like spoiler alert yeah um is um after the him being in everyone's dreams goes away um then someone develops some technology to allow people to advertise in your dreams Uh, yeah it was it was a bit weird and he's trying to reconnect with his wife and the last scene i really really loved i really really loved um him um trying to utilize this power that he doesn't have to reconnect with someone that he lost a relationship with through no fault of his own and i thought that was really amazing but Mm. the scene before that is like this weird advertisement for this product and it it's it's in the style of those like YouTube like celebrities who all hang out together in their Hollywood mansions and go like, look at us and we're going to promote this new brand product. And it was kind of like, I feel like it both suited, but was also really weird. 
um and a it little bit disjointed it kind of felt out of place to me a little bit like i get exactly what they were trying to say and it was funny but it didn't fit the rest of the movie in my head yeah no i i get that it, it's very different stylistically and is very jarring um yeah but to an extent i think it works um purely because like it is a direct commentary on the effects of social media it is a direct commentary on how we interact with that and how celebrities um utilize those platforms to um manipulate people for um money but um yeah it is definitely a a, a jarring moment mm. well yeah review the scores even um <laughs> you get my scores up maybe next time i'll write them down next to my uh notes uh fuck where is it where is it come on uh i give it three weeklies um and i gave dream scenario four weekly reviews reviews weekly reviews we- weekly reviews no weekly rentals gets rented oh, four no. times in a week weekly reviews dream scenario gets rented four times this week it's a lot of times to rent it that's a, that's how popular it is Oh, big pop, big poppy. Uh, Speaking of big poppy. The holdovers? My big poppy, Paul Giamatti. Oh. I was like, are we talking about the same movie? Yes. Big poppy, Paul Giamatti. Winner of Golden Globes, eater of In-N-Out Burgers. Twice. Dude, go for it. In-N-Out's good. Burgers are good. Enjoy yourself. Have a good time. So, Holdovers, uh, starring Paul Giamatti and the young dude who's in this as well. What's his name? Probably Dominic Cesar. Cesar. Dominic Cesar. Dominic Cesar. And directed by Alexander Payne. Uh, It's about uh, a period of time over Christmas where everyone goes home except for a small group of kids who are left at the boarding school that they live at. And Paul Giamatti is the teacher who drew the short straw. Well, not really. He got kind of fucked over by the principal to look after these kids. And he's notoriously a hard ass and kind of not, not he's kind of mean, but it's not like the mean and the, like, he's like, it's like a different kind of mean. You know what I mean? It's oh, fuck. I'm saying mean too much now. It's, but it's not the same mean that like, it's, it's someone who's yelly and that he's just kind of really a hard ass and not very empathetic. I feel towards people. And over the course of this film, you kind of find out maybe a bit reasons why he's like that, but also he warms up and you also find out why Dominic Cesar's character is kind of the way he is. And it's really cute and it's really sweet. And I like this movie. I might watch it every Christmas. Um, yeah, but before getting into it, I just want to say uh, this is direct of Enjoy Rudolph. Erasure, she was also in this movie um, as a key character and was fantastic. Um, I did. We're doing two people. I was just, it's, it's important. It's not Erasure. I just picked the two main characters. She's a side character. She's not a side character. She's the main she character. She is a side character. She's one this of the, the three main characters. There are three main characters. I disagree. There's two main characters. Anyway, um, 
no, I agree. This is a film that has been added to my um, not quite Christmas Christmas movie list, along with Die Hard and Die Hard is a Christmas just Die movie. Hard. Die Hard and the Holdover. These are sorry. What's your okay? What's your definition of a Christmas movie? Well, it, I feel like Christmas movie is about Christmas. This Whereas, is about Christmas. But well, it's not about Christmas. It's Christmas about, plays it's setting is set at Christmas. Christmas plays a if Christmas plays a pivotal role in the plot, it's a Christmas movie. Die Hard, it's pivotal that's Christmas. The Holdovers, it's pivotal that's Christmas. Uh, it's not about Christmas. It doesn't have to be about Christmas. I feel Christmas like it is has important to be about to the plot. Christmas to be a Christmas movie. The point is, is this is a Christmas movie that isn't a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. Like it's a Christmas movie, but it's not a Christmas movie. You know? There's a bauble on the it's a broken bauble with them standing no, in it I, on the poster. I, How I is know, that not that's Christmas? Like, that's like um Yeah. I don't know. Misleading. <laughs> no! You're just wrong. Anyway, please continue. Um, you like this movie? This movie was great. I think um Paul Giamatti. I know, I know this is a popular opinion and I know he won the Golden Globe for it, but I really do think his performance is absolutely standout. Um, Hottest th- take this of year. 2024. Um, <laughs> um, absolutely standout this, this, um, this award season and um, the relationship that he has with uh, Dominic Sessa, who, by the way, this is his um, featured debut. Mm-hmm. Um is absolutely amazing and um really heartfelt and um it's just a movie that like digs its cause into you and um is just it's really nice while also being like incredibly heartbreaking and um i i really really liked the relationship that they had and mm-hmm. I really liked the way that Paul Giamatti's character really has this um extraordinary like w- very well-paced growth I know I've like I'm probably talking about the same things in every film but <laughs> um I really feel like the way his character is written is it very much feels like there's no point where you go like, oh, he's changed. It's the movie is about him changing and about Dominic Sessa's yeah. character changing. And the fact that that's executed so well is is really fantastic and really a testament to their performances. Um, it's I also really, really oh, oh sorry. sorry. I also really love the way that they've set the time period um, mm. without being super explicit about it. Um, they that like there's no title cards saying it's set in the 70s 80s or whatever 70s i can't 70s. i can't remember it was Retrace around that 70s. period of time yeah um but the before the film even starts we get these um i at least in the australian release we had the old yeah. um australian um classification board this um, apparently does up. change from like region to region, region as well. to region. Like they, they uh, that's, did, that's sort of what yeah. I would expect. Yeah, um, and no, everyone got the Australian one. <laughs> um, it sort of sets it as like as if this movie was made in in the seventies, and yeah, like lost um, media. And I think that makes it so much more believable 
and the rather the way that they do that, the way that that's incorporated, and then the way that it's not overstated at any point through the rest of the film is really makes it feel like it is it's like a period piece without being a period piece if that makes sense yeah what i was just going to say was with with paul giamatti's character development it's very glacial in the fact that you don't notice it's moving but if you compare where it was maybe a couple of years ago in comparison to where it is now you're like oh there has been a change like you look at him at the start of the movie and then you're like oh no he's definitely a different person like well not a different person but definitely gained um some growth but you didn't notice it as it was happening and it's just it's really cool to like at the end of the movie think back and go oh yeah he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have reacted this way and he wouldn't have had this understanding earlier and paul giamatti is just great he's yeah. a, he's an actor i really like who i haven't seen a lot of uh and i just uh, I'm, i like him and i think he's enjoyable and i'm glad he won the golden globe however if he wins instead of Killian Murphy, I may freak out at at the Oscars. Um, in a good Killian way Murphy, or a bad way? No, in a bad way. I won't be happy. I think I, I do think Killian Murphy's Oppenheimer is a much better performance than this. I, I disagree. I think Paul Giamatti's performance in this is absolutely I amazing and, and standout. Nah, nah there's, there's just something about Oppenheimer. It's just those eyes. So you see, that's where the trouble began. That smile. I get lost in those eyes. Those Irish eyes. I, well, I get lost in Paul Giamatti's eye. Which one? <laughs> the one that let you meant to look at. The left one? The right one? Spoiler. Sorry. Which Spoiler. It's the right one. I think it's the right one. Oh, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but next, no, I, next I, I, Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> Like I've just got a little note here, which is like, it, it's it's and this is like again spoilers, but it's it's really about like Paul Giamatti's character finding himself in this boy and then yeah. rediscovering his lost youth almost, and it's just really really well done, and I very much like this movie. I like it a lot. Everything does kind of fall into place the more you learn about each character. Like the their behavior just becomes more understandable. And I guess this is this is the type of character study I enjoy. Don't know why, but I just do. Because it is a character study and it's a character development thing. And I just it's great. It's awesome. Um I give it four weeklies out of five. I also gave this four weeklies out of five. Fantastic. <laughs> Coming up to the last two, um, unfortunately, both of these movies, heartbreaking and really depressing. Uh, the first of which is All of Us Strangers. So, uh, well, let's do the let's do the intro first. Uh, All of Us Strangers, directed by Andrew Haig and starring Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal. I guess we can do all four, right? Because it's like Jamie Bell and Claire Foy. There we go. It's like the four people who matter in this film and they're all big names. Uh, it's about a young, a young man, um, kind of, he's maybe thirties, uh, living in a building, uh, and he meets another, I, th I think it's heavily implied that this guy is a younger man, right? Like it, that's like the age gaps a thing, isn't it? I can't remember exactly. Like that's a, a little thing. bit. Yeah. It's because they have that discussion about the different usage of different words and how like, cause one of them would rather use queer and the other one would rather use gay because, but like each one 
had like a dip because of how, how they grew up. They, I don't know if that's a time-based thing or just like a where they grew up type thing instead. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, they develop a romantic relationship while also, uh, Andrew Scott sees the ghosts of his parents who died in a car accident and he kind of like discusses his life with them that's a spoiler i don't think so they say he says they they say it's a car accident very early on they they say it early on but i still think it's a spoiler i don't think so um i went into this movie not knowing what it was about same not really anticipating it because I had heard it, about it from a couple of people because it had some big names in it. It had um, Andrew Scott, which I can still only think of as um, Moriarty from the Sherlock TV series. Nah, he's hot the priest series. from Fleabag from me. He's hot pri- um, priest from Fleabag. I haven't seen Fleabag. So, uh, if you watch um, Fleabag, it will erase Moriarty and you'll just have hot priest and it is so better. So much better. Um, and Paul Mescal, who I haven't seen in anything, but everyone talks about him. And I'm like, he's okay. Gonna, he's going to be in Gladiator too. Um, but I guess we sort of put this on our list to see because it was like, well, I guess we should go see it. Yeah, um, we were idiots. We, we were, were so dumb. dumb. We were so we dumb. Done an ep- we should have done an episode on this fucking movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this movie is amazing. The reason it's I said that I think that's a spoiler is because going into this not knowing anything. Yeah. Um, and then having that first scene where. And then, sorry, I'm gonna actually do spoilers here because I'm gonna go into detail. What I'll do um, is I'll I'll have a spoiler alarm and I'll put it right before I actually describe the plot because I don't think you can describe the plot without spoiling it, basically. Yeah. So I'll do that. Um, but he has this one, um, like quite early on in the film, he he goes and sees his parents, and it's implied that something is weird because they're much younger than him. Um, yeah. And you sort of can piece together from that interaction that they're dead um, and he's sort of like revisiting them for the first time, um, like since they've died. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then that gets, re- then he tells that to um, Paul Mascar's character. Um, yeah. But this is just a, it's, Again, a really strong character study performance. Andrew Scott is great. Paul Mescal is. is great. Um, yeah. You, I feel like you genuinely feel like they had this like love for each other. Um, and then the interaction between that and him coming out to, um, uh, Andrew Scott coming out to his parents, yeah. Um, and knowing that his parents aren't really there, they're sort of like figments of his own imagination. Um, and you combine all of these interactions with some really great performances, um, some really great, um, editing, I think. Yeah. Um, and, um, just a, actually an excellent soundtrack as well. Um, I yeah. when when they're in the club and he takes the ketamine and they start playing um blur I was like this is perfect <laughs> this is perfect um of course a movie that's set in um 
like uh like early london right? in but like it's the poor end of london where they don't really have a lot of money <laughs> and they're like in the club and they're like trying to he's dealing with familiar drama like, of course it's going to be blur um and um it's yeah really really powerful and moving um film and um yeah absolutely heartbreaking um I, so the line where he says that uh, his parents died in a car accident, it's pretty, it's not quick and it's not like blink and you miss it, but it's, it is very like understated. I misheard it because someone coughed right as they oh, said no. it. So I didn't, I had to figure out that the parents were dead kind of on my own from that point on. And I realized by the end, I was like, oh, that's what they said about a car accident. I had no clue what had been said earlier. And so I had to, I was like, oh, this is really weird. Like, why are they the same age? I was like thinking like, oh, they're the same age. This is dumb casting. This is stupid. And I was like, I'm stupid. Slash the person who coughed right as they were talking. Oh my God. So I had to piece together. It still worked though. Still really good. I still loved it uh, for what it was. Uh even though I was a bit confused, it meant it kind of meant that the realization though, that the parents were dead was kind of a lot like, cause it, it's, it, you, you realize it later on through just like other stuff. And that was kind of really cool because it meant it was drip fed to you. However, this now this is big spoiler. This is big spoiler, by the way, big, big spoiler right here. I'm going to hit you with the biggest spoil of the whole film. This is like back end of the film. You're not meant to see this coming at all. This movie has the same twist as the sixth sense. Um, because Paul Mescal's character is also dead the whole time. Uh and when I realized that it was the same twist as the sixth sense after walking out, it became a little funny. But overall, still really heartbreaking and sad. And this movie. Oh, I don't cry a lot. As mentioned, uh, there was no sad. Oh, there was a sad dad in this. It was a sad I sh- dad. I should have cried. I went over. I, I went over to Mr. Manager watching this film, and I said, "This film is going to break Mitchell." Why? Sad dad. It did. It did, it did a little bit break me, especially because he's like, "I wish I'd come into your room when you were crying." And I was like, "I know you would have." I know, but I didn't cry. But I was really close. <laughs> it's really good. It's uh just go see it. Um, even if we've just ruined it for you, go watch it. Um, you'll like it anyway. The the this just the emotion. I'm pretty sure I'll get the same emotional reaction even if I do know everything that's happening in it. Um, the reveal is is like a kind of a plot reveal, but like emotionally everything works just the same way. I'm pre- I'm pretty sure. I I'll, I'm gonna rewatch it probably like not immediately because yeah. it's gonna hurt, but <laughs> I'm gonna rewatch it. Yeah, like the, dude, the diner scene, the diner scene where he's saying goodbye and he orders the family meal, and the waiter's like, oh, "That's a lot of food." And then they put down the three milkshakes, and he's just by himself. Fuck! Oh, really uh, hurt. It really hurt. Yeah, it's. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. It was. 
I'm getting it's, it's emotional to, now thinking it's about hard it. It's hard to talk about because yeah. it's sort of it's so experiential as well. It's it's um it's yeah, you just feel like a part of this guy's life and and I'm um, so stupid. Why did we not think we we're going to like this movie? The trailer was shit. That's why. It was a bad trailer. I honestly believe it was a shit trailer. Like in all what do you think? Cuz I I can't I, do I any other reason. The I didn't see the trailer. I Okay. Every single time I saw that trailer, it irritated me. And because I just assumed, I don't know why, but I just, I was like, this, this looks just like it's going to be something I hate. And I, absolutely not. And I walked into this movie thinking I wasn't going to enjoy it. I was going to be really irritated myself. So I was like, why is everyone liking this? And why am I not going to like this? Because I, you know, like, but I, I loved it. And I'm so annoyed that I thought I was not going to like this. I'm so annoyed I dismissed it for so long, too. Mm. Oh. It's really good. Um, four and a half weeklies. I think if I on a rewatch, it'll probably go up to a five. But I'm not. I usually don't give a five on a first watch, so I'll have yeah, to see. I'm, yeah, I'm similar in that respect. Um, but yeah, four and a half weeklies for me as well. Yeah. And now on to the final film, another heartbreaker. Um, I only just noticed that you'd ranked this movie. I think we're going to have a differing opinion a little bit on this one, just because I think I liked it a bit more than you did. But we have The Iron Claw, uh, directed by um, Sean Durkin and starring Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White. Um, it tells the true story, but fictionalized and toned down, uh, of the Von Erics, a wrestling family who were apparently cursed. but. Big spoiler alert. The curse was actually just a really abusive dad. Um, so I'm going to just spoil immediately on this film. It's really good. By the way, go watch it. So go watch it. And now I'm going to spoil it. That yeah, Why are you doing Why are you, Why are you rubbing your face? <laughs> Why are you rubbing your face? Um, don't worry. One of, I think one of my favorite scenes of film that has come out in recent memory is the one at the very end where Zach Efron is watching his kids and he's crying and they go, why are you crying? And he says, I used to be a brother, but not anymore. Heartbreaking. I, <laughs> Absolutely I'm, heartbreaking. I'm actually tearing up remembering yeah. that scene. It's, <laughs> Me too. So... Um, just like as a slightly more in-depth summary, um, yeah, <laughs> Zach Efron plays one of um four brothers um who are the sons of a ex wrestler who owns a um wrestling um like arena. Uh, it's not an arena. It's it's a like a program. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, but yeah. it's like localized to Texas, and mm. his his dream is to um the dad's dream is to um bring home the world championship belt um yeah. and as a result he pushes all of his sons um much much too hard um and um as a result each of them with the exception of Zac Efron um push themselves push themselves to um their eventual deaths um yeah. and it's a story about how these four brothers who screw up having to rely on each other because their mother was mentally absent 
um, mm-hmm. and emotionally absent. And the father was um, both and abusive, ab- absent and abusive. Um, how they had to rely on each other, and then the fact that they're falling apart because um, of this pressure, removing them one by one, and it's um, a really interesting look at sort of familial love. Mm. Um, I think, I think it does that very, very well. Um, my biggest issue with this film is I feel like the start is slightly too slow. I agree. Um, I do agree. I feel, I feel like, yeah. um, we spend just a little bit too much time, um, just sort of pottering around at the start. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because there's quite a few characters in this, um, movie and yeah. they all look pretty similar. Um, and it's <laughs> important so that they're all distinct from each other. And I think they do a really good job of that. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, um, in that first act, I guess the dad push them a little harder. We get sure. glimpses of it. Um, and we get obviously the fallout from it, but, um, it definitely feels like something that's revealed later in the film, but not as a, almost like here's the twist that he was abusive. Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of just like drip fed, but I feel like they could have started dripping it earlier. Um, and yeah, I think that would have just elevated this film to the next level of, of, um, what it was already doing really really well which is yeah yeah, this this idea of um like familial love and being able to rely on your family and what happens when you can't and what happens when um you get driven apart by um the about by life i guess piece of shit oh the dad i was gonna say the dad I want to point out that, and this is on record from the director, this movie was toned down from the real story because the real story is a lot worse than this. So, first of all, there was a fifth brother who also committed suicide, and they just kind of erased him a little bit because it was just, the director was like, it's too much. Like, we can't have that much, like, suicide in this film. I said commit suicide. I said commit. I, 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 yeah, sorry. Yeah, he just dies before. No, 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 the no, 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 no. So that's the sixth brother. That what? that's a that's there's another one that was alive oh, at the same time God. this movie was shot that that also uh, died by suicide. Um, I think it happened in between the one who passed away from the the liver the spleen problem. Oh, not spleen, like intestines. Rupture. Yeah, the inter- and and uh, the David who who. Um, killed himself because he felt the pressure to take the shoes of the one who died from intestinal issues. Uh, so there's just another brother in that he was really weedy and weak and he couldn't, uh, he couldn't wrestle. He just, it was just, I think there was like a health problem there and he, he just, he ended up killing himself because he, the dad was so neglectful towards him and stuff like that. But so yeah, just straight down. It's always the dad basically is the issue. Uh, also it's heavily implied in the movie that jeremy allen white's leg came off what came off was it had to be removed because of the accident 
what actually happened was he had the accident had four weeks off the leg was fine like obviously not fine it was it was hurt but it would fix itself eventually but the dad was like not nah, get back into wrestling go 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 and since he didn't have the chance to heal it had to be amputated so they actually made the dad nicer in this movie than he was in real life. Like they they took out a bunch of the stuff that he did. That's really yeah, interesting. Like that that ending. Oh, because not, not only is like the, the brother ending, but the one where Zach Efron is choking the dad. And he's and it's just like because for so much of the movie, Zach Efron is so accepting of the dad. Dad's you know, falling out. And he's like, he doesn't, he's refusing to blame anything on the dad. He's like, no, the dad's just put, he's just pushing us. He's this and that. But then eventually he, the dad doesn't fucks up and doesn't uh, make sure that Jeremy Allen White is looked out for. And he, and Jeremy Allen White kills himself with the gun he gave him for the gun he gave the dad for Christmas. And so he just loses it. Cause he's actually like, you're the reason why I've lost every single brother that I absolutely adored and love. Oh, it's just that ending really, like it's a good movie, and then the ending stuff just really amps it up just that much more. It's yeah. Sorry, I did interrupt you though. Yeah, I no, I, I I I agree with that completely. I think, um, yeah the the last few scenes of this movie really just um have a lot of emotional weight to them, and yeah, um, really uh, along along with like being really good scenes really like are what demonstrates what people have been talking about in terms of Zac Efron being a like good actor in this. I I was really not expecting, like I know people were talking about him being quite good in this and I was sort of expecting him to be like, Oh yeah, that's like, sure. That was was good. Like that was, you know, like a golf clap, like, yeah, like good. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I can see him being in other dramatic films, and like, yeah. obviously, he's playing um, up with um, Jeremy Allen White, who um, obviously famous, famously from the Bear, the bear. Um, and Shameless. Yeah, and just the fact that he, um, as, yeah, especially those last few scenes, the performance that he gives there really just makes made me go is this the same guy who played troy bolton in high school musical yeah Um, and because like a lot of the film you can kind of go like oh yeah i can see that he's playing a himbo yeah um because it i think a lot of what he does before this is very understated and it needs to be as well but it's so much so that you can dismiss it uh you can go and and i think both of us did I, from the word sounds like you did. And I know I did. I was like, yeah, like Zach Efron's fine in this. Like he's doing a good job, but uh, I'm, you know, Jeremy Allen White's doing a lot of the big stuff, especially coming around the, cause Jeremy Allen White suffers a lot physically and a lot, a lot of emotional, uh, sorry, he suffers a lot physically. So that's a very easy way for him to exude it emotionally like that. Where Zach Efron is very much like a glue for this film. He's kind of holding a lot of, the stability in on the emotional scenes and so then when he finally breaks at the end oh oh, man it's it's hard it's hard it's really good Um, i don't know how much i have to say though as well i I think i also i i think the performances of all four brothers were quite everyone's brilliant and, not just um, the brothers i think like the dad is really good i mm, think everyone everyone in this movie is just great 
Yeah. yeah I really liked, um, I, I think it was Stanley Simons who plays Mike. Um, That's the that guy right? who passed from um, the, 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 the test intestinal. No, the, um, the one who um, ends up in a coma. Isn't that David? No, I got them mixed up. I got the mic. So Harris Harris Dickinson is David, who is the guy who passed away from in Japan, passed away from intestinal problems. You're right. Stanley Simons is Mike. I I really I really liked his character, and I really liked that they yeah sort of like made him a little bit different, and we saw a little bit more of that. Like he obviously didn't want to get in the ring. He Mm. was hesitant. He didn't have the physicality to him that um the other brothers had yeah um um, but i really liked his character i really liked his performance um and yeah i think yeah this is definitely like a must watch even if it is just for that those last couple of scenes yeah well i think the wrestling scenes are actually really good too i as someone who enjoys boxing movies and, you know, martial arts, like uh, sports films, there's a really good, if you like sports films and you like, like Rocky or something like that, you'll enjoy those scenes as well. There's a level of, they look kind of fake, but it's in that authentic way of like WWE looks fake. It's the same way WWE, so it, you get that authenticity of like what the wrestling would have looked like yeah. kind of. And I think that, and then there's also, because then that plays into at the very end, when there's that fight between Kevin and Rick Flag, I think he's Rick something. I can't remember the but the Rick the Flair? Current, Rick Flair. Rick Flag is the guy from the Suicide Squad. Um Rick Flair. When that fight is so real, it's it really stands out in comparison to every other fight we've seen in the movie. I just it's really good. <laughs> it's a really good movie. Oh man, there's just yeah. I think there's a lot of pacing issues at the start that just kind of um, kill it. And I do kind of wish Lily Collins's character was a bit more explored. Even though I know that that's not the point of the movie, it's just. I think my problem here is that Lily Collins keeps getting put in roles where she doesn't get to shine. Do you mean uh, I'm Lily thinking, James? Fuck! I do always do this as well. I always get the Lilies confused. She's even my preferred Lily. I don't even know why I keep saying Lily Collins. I think it's just in my head. I did mean Lily James. Yes point is she keeps getting like sidelined into roles that aren't deserving of her and while this one is a better one i still think it could have been a bit more meaty and given her a bit more to do um what do you i don't know yeah that's yeah, it. I'm I, done. I, yeah. I, I thought she was um really good oh she was in that movie baby driver um, yeah no um uh the Cinderella, guernsey yeah. the guernsey literary and potato peel pie society um Oh yeah, sure. Why not? That, which I I quite liked when that came out. Um, uh, no, I think she was quite good, and it, yeah, it would have been good to see more of it. But I understand why there wasn't. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, her character plays off, um, like the interactions that the brothers have with each other really well. Mm-hmm. Um. And the fact that she interacts with the family in a different way is really interesting. Yeah. Um, because obviously she's an addition, but she's also um, Zac Efron's romantic interest rather than a sort of familial um, 
uh, having a familial love, it's a romantic love, and the way that that gets explored is interesting. Um, sort of really, um, showing the difference between those two kind of, um, aspects of the characters. Um, yeah, which I feel like doesn't really get explored very much. Um, no, there's like we love movies where like oh the characters are in love, but we don't get a lot of movies where we go like, well, how, how much like yes they're in love but also they really care quite deeply about their family and yeah um i think this movie strikes that really well and i think um lily james's character really helps emphasize that and just lily james herself because she's a really good actress yep uh this movie is getting four weeklies out of five for me and for me, I gave it three and a half weeklies out of nah, five. Not, not high enough. It needs to be higher. I did watch, so I watched The Iron Claw on the Friday we had off for uh, Invasion Day. Uh, and then the next day I went and saw All of Us Strangers. So the rest of my weekend, my Sunday was just like catatonic. Uh, so, see, I did, a, <laughs> I did a double feature of Anatomy of a Fall and The Iron Claw. How was that? <laughs> that was uh, again. It was so hard. Like it was just yeah. <laughs> like I was just stressed and stressed, and then I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> do you reckon maybe if you hadn't seen Anatomy of the Fall, you might have enjoyed um, Iron Claw a bit more? Potentially. Um, yeah. I, I think yeah. I, I, it's tricky when you see movies like back directly to back. back yeah. to back, uh, even if they don't like have like um real connection well not just that but like uh, any sort of like thematic relationship with each other it it you do get a different experience watching films back to back and i think the fact that like for me anatomy of a fall was so good um really made it that like even though thine core is a really strong movie it just Mm. Didn't it doesn't hold it. a can- it doesn't yeah. hold a candle that's um, fair yeah all right well thank you all for listening to our very first max and mitch's monthly movie marathon we've been your hosts mitch and max maybe we should do it the other way around because then it's like mirrors never mind whatever um can, you can do it in person no, we can be. I won't. We've been your hosts, Max <laughs> and Mitch. Uh, you can find us on. Uh, yes, let's wait, see. Let's it? It. You can, you can, you can send us. Uh, yep. Reviews, questions, mm-hmm. and warranted hate mail at blockbustedpotty at gmail dot com. That's potty, spelled P O double D I E. Was it Freaky uh, Friday? Yeah, I know, right? Um, you can find us on Twitter. Um, now, no, no we, you can no. find us on the platform formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, close enough. That's Sometimes what I'm calling I say it. X. Yep. At BB Potty, as well as Instagram and TikTok. I think you just um, slipped BB Potty in there, but you didn't say it was the username. <laughs> that's the username at BB Potty. I think you can also find us on Facebook, but that's only because gonna... it's connected to the Instagram. I was going to say, we don't have a Facebook, but if it's no, because of the look Instagram. At that. Like, yeah, it's not really there. doing anything. It's probably just a duplicate of the Instagram 
To be fair, um, there's also just like we're not doing anything on any other platform either. But let's go there yeah. in case we do. We posted Let, something on Instagram recently, actually. Yeah, I, I've been trying to do more regular posts at least once a week. Once a week's um, good. Uh, if you liked this episode, let us know. Um, yeah. Tweet at us, email us, send us a DM in the Instagram chat. Give us a, a, a note written out of cutout. Uh, magazine letters so that we can't recognize your handwriting and then deliver it to us by post and scare the shit out of us because we're going to be confused as to how A, you found us where we live and B, why you decided to do it in such a manner. Um, be cool. And enjoy your we, month. We also promise that we'll, we'll be a bit better next time. Well, we'll, we'll get some feedback and then we'll make it a better more enjoyable show and that's what we're all that's what we want to do is we want to make this fun for us but most importantly fun for us but also fun for you uh that's the side yeah fun for us fun for us maybe fun for you guys um and um this month oh I'm going to ask you something because we're flipping it around because like this is, yeah, this, I don't know. Cause we already have. I'm very uncomfortable. This month. I'm going to ask you uh, to tweet at us. Let us know who you think. Uh, Should win the Oscar. No, that's not okay. it. Let, let us know. Tweet at us and let us know whether you think that uh, we should have seen the films that each other talked about but we didn't watch. Have you ever had a dream where where you... Where, where, <laughs> where, 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 where I... Tweet at us. Tweet at us. Which one of us tweeted us? The hand that will deliver you to Iron Claw! No, you did it all wrong. You did it wrong. It's the hand that passed it down to us. The hand that will deliver the Iron Claw to you. Oh, sorry. I fucking love that line so much. We're here to restore justice to the wrestling federation that our father built with his own two hands. The hands that were passed down to us. The hands that will deliver the Iron Claw to you.